Good morning to you all, and grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In two weeks, we will be celebrating Easter Sunday and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next week is Palm Sunday, when we will look again at what's called our Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, beginning the week when he will go to the cross to suffer and die for our sins. So for next Sunday and Easter Sunday, we're going to take a short break from this journey through Jesus' I Am statements from the Gospel of John. But for today, we're going to look at the fifth I Am statement, where Jesus tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. This statement is found in John chapter 11, verse 25. But to better understand the meaning of Jesus' words, again, we need to look at the context in which he spoke them. And for this morning, this is a a long reading, a long passage we're going to read. So I invite you to please take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 11. And I invite you to please stand with me as you're able in honor of reading God's word. This morning I'll be reading John chapter 11, starting at verse 1 and reading all the way down through verse uh, 44. Reading in Jesus' name. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And her sister and Lazarus, sorry. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. 
When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lord, this is a a long passage and there is a lot in here. Help us, Lord, as we go through this today to, to understand what you would have us to learn from it so that we can follow you more closely and more deeply with our lives. And as always, Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So as we begin here in John chapter 11, we're introduced to three new characters, at least in John's gospel, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Now, we've heard about them before from the other gospel accounts, but for John, this is the first time that they're mentioned. If you remember from Luke's account, Martha was the one who had been busy with all of the preparations and serving while her sister Mary was the one who was seated at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything that Jesus said. And in that passage, Martha, well, what happened with Martha? She got a little upset, didn't she, that her sister Mary wasn't helping her with all the preparations. But Jesus told Martha that Mary had chosen what was the better thing, and that was to sit at his feet and listen to him. I want you to notice that that Jesus never said that what Martha was doing was wrong, right? It was important to prepare. It was important to serve. Hospitality was one of the virtues of the Jewish people. But Mary had simply chosen the better thing. These are the same Martha and Mary here in John chapter 11. And as we are introduced to their brother Lazarus, we're told that he is sick, and the two sisters had sent word to Jesus, saying, the one you love is sick. (coughs) Now this is the first time in John's Gospel where it's mentioned that Jesus loved anyone individually by name. Two verses later, John tells us that Jesus loved Martha and Mary as well. These three were very close friends of Jesus. In fact, he stayed at their home probably every time he went through Bethany. 
So Jesus not only took on human flesh, as we're told in John chapter 1, that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, Jesus also took on human relationships. So our story begins with the sisters sending word to Jesus that Lazarus, their brother, the one whom Jesus loves, is sick. Now notice in their message that they don't ask Jesus to do anything about it, but I think it's certainly implied, isn't it? They wanted Jesus to come back and heal their brother. Lazarus was someone that Jesus loved. Certainly, Jesus would come. But the text tells us that Jesus, upon hearing the news, stayed where he was for two more days. And what was Jesus' response? He said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Why did Jesus delay in coming to the aid of Lazarus? Well, we find Jesus, especially in the book of John, John emphasizes this throughout his book, we find Jesus operating on a different timetable than everybody else around him. In John chapter 2, at that, that first miracle where at the wedding in Cana, Jesus turned the water into wine, Jesus replied to his mother, he said, Dear woman, why are you involving me? My time has not yet come. In John chapter 7, Jesus' brothers are kind of sarcastically trying to persuade him to go to Judea so that the people there can see all these miraculous signs. And again, he replies to them, The right time for me has not yet come. Jesus was always operating on God's timetable, not man's. This delay in coming, though, would have perplexed Martha and Mary. Why didn't he come right away? Why doesn't he care that our brother is so sick? But I want you to think about this. Couldn't Jesus, as the Son of God, couldn't he have just spoken the word right where he was and healed Lazarus if he wanted to? Sure he could have. He'd done that exact same thing for the centurion's servant in Matthew chapter 8 and the nobleman's son in John chapter 4. Jesus could have prevented Lazarus from even getting sick in the first place or just healed him from right where he was, but he chose not to. Why? Because this was going to be for God's glory so that the Son may be glorified through it. So after two days, Jesus tells his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now the disciples don't want to go back there because the Jews had been trying to kill Jesus the last time they had been there. It was too dangerous, they said. Well, Jesus was testing his disciples here to see whether or not they really trusted God with their lives and whether or not they were willing to spend whatever time they might have left with him in his presence and in his service. And this is the question I believe Jesus asked each and every one of us every day to consider as well. Are you willing to follow me no matter what may lie ahead? Are you willing to trust me with your future? How would you answer that question today? Jesus tells them that Lazarus has fallen asleep and he's going back there to wake him up. Now the disciples, again, fearing for their lives and fearing for Jesus' life state, well, that's good. If he's fallen asleep, he'll wake up again probably thinking, when the fever passes, he'll wake up and he'll be better. We don't have to go. So Jesus spells it out for them because they're not understanding, and he says, look guys, Lazarus is dead. 
And I'm glad, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe. Now we have the, the, the perspective of hindsight. We can see the end of the story. We know what's going to happen. But the disciples there, that must have confused them a little bit, don't you think? Right? I mean, they had seen Jesus heal multiple people. Uh, Jesus had raised others from the dead. But here Jesus tells them he was glad he wasn't there to help Lazarus so that the disciples would believe. They didn't really understand what Jesus was talking about. I mean, look at Thomas's response. All right, let us go also so that we can die with him. Thomas realizes that if they go, there's definite danger ahead. And at this point, it seems like the disciples are willing to follow Jesus, even if it means following him into death. But we see a little different commitment from them on the night that Jesus is arrested, don't we? Because what happens that night? They all scatter. So they travel. When they get to Bethany, they find out that Lazarus has already died, and he's been in the tomb for four days. And Martha comes out to meet Jesus. Lord, she said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Is she rebuking Jesus for not coming earlier? Or is she simply showing disappointment that Jesus hadn't gotten there in time? How many of us have approached the Lord through the years with similar statements. Lord, where were you when my marriage fell apart? Lord, where were you when when my parents got divorced? Lord, where were you when my father became an alcoholic and started abusing me? Lord, where were you when I was cheated out of that promotion? Where were you? We see Mary offer the same greeting to Jesus when she comes out. But if you notice, Jesus doesn't reprove either one of the sisters for their words. Why is that? It's because it's not a sin to tell God how you feel. David did it throughout the Psalms. Habakkuk poured out his complaints before God. We all have different difficulties that we go through, and God already knows our hearts. So he wants us to be honest with him and tell him what we feel. But look at Martha's next words. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Martha is sometimes depicted as having less faith than Mary because of her preoccupation with work. But here she says, I know that God will now give you whatever you ask. I mean, that's quite a statement of faith from Martha, isn't it? So Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. So Martha answers, of course, in her belief in the, in the Jewish tradition, in the Jewish custom, that yes, I know he'll rise again. On the last day, all believers in God will be raised to new life with him. And Jesus responds with the next of these, five, of these seven, this is the fifth one, these great I am statements in John's Gospel. And he looks at Martha and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he asked Martha, he says, do you believe this? Jesus is testing Martha's faith in him at this point, just like he had tested the faith of his disciples. How does Martha respond? 
I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Again, a, a great statement of faith from Martha. But when we get to the scene at the tomb in just a little bit, we're going to see that Martha maybe doesn't quite yet get who Jesus truly is and what he has in mind, because what does she do? She kind of hesitates to have that stone rolled away, doesn't she? What was Jesus telling Martha when he made that statement, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life? See, this statement is more about who Jesus is than about what he will do or won't do for us. He's letting Martha know that true life originates in him, that he is the one who gives life. He's telling her that life in him is not some futuristic, pie-in-the-sky, someday concept. Jesus is telling her that she can experience true life right now. Jesus had said in John chapter 10 that he had come that we might have life and have it to the full. Jesus offers abundant life right here, right now with him. We can experience true resurrection life here on earth. Because we have the living, reigning Lord of life, past, present, and future, the one who has triumphed over death, living inside of us and walking right alongside of us each and every day of our lives. So I ask you the same question that Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? Because if we do, then that thought should change the way in which we live our lives. This theme of life runs throughout John's Gospel. Between Jesus' words and John's words, the concept of life is mentioned 33 times throughout his text. Most of these are either Jesus stating that he is the only way to eternal life, or Jesus letting people know that his life would be laid down for theirs. And that's really part of what this story is all about. Because Jesus knew that by raising Lazarus from the dead, he would be ushering in his own death as well. This is the turning point in Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John. Everything that happens after this account is pointing toward Jesus' death on the cross. As Jesus approached the tomb of Lazarus, he had two choices. He could raise Lazarus from the grave and face the reality of his coming suffering and death, or he could choose to leave Lazarus in the grave and possibly postpone what he knew had to come. But Jesus will raise Lazarus, knowing that the glory of God that the people will see, the glory that they will see will not be revealed when Lazarus comes from the tomb, but when Jesus himself is lifted up high on the cross, and then when Jesus comes out of his tomb alive and well on resurrection morning. Jesus knew all along that by following his Father's will and bringing Lazarus back from the grave, that he would be paving the road to his own grave. He ushered in his own death by giving life to his friend. In John chapter 13, Jesus gave his disciples a new commandment. He said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And why did he give them this commandment? He said, if you do this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus went on in John, in John chapter 15 to tell his disciples that greater love has no one than this, 
that he laid down his life for his friends. And this is exactly what Jesus was doing for Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. By raising Lazarus from the dead, he was bringing about his own death in the process. He was giving his life for his friends as an example to us of how we are to love those around us. And if we look ahead to the middle of chapter 12, we're going to see that the Jewish leaders were looking to kill Jesus, but not only Jesus, they were looking to kill Lazarus as well because of all the people that were coming to Jesus because of Lazarus. Back to the story. After Jesus talks with Martha, she goes to get her sister Mary. Mary comes out to Jesus, falls at his feet, weeping again, the place where we seem to find Mary all the time is at the feet of Jesus. Falls at his feet, weeping. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same message that Martha had given. I wonder how many times in the last four days or five days had they thought or said that same thing to each other. We're told that the Jews who had been comforting Mary, actually mourning with her, in the house came with her, thinking that she was going to the tomb to mourn there, so they were going to go with her. So with all the people now outside, this became a more public scene, with more people to witness what was about to happen. Remember, Jesus said that Lazarus' sickness was for the glory of God so that the Son would be glorified through it. Jesus knew all along what he was about to do. But the text tells us that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled when he saw Mary and the Jews who would come along with her weeping and mourning. Jesus has an emotional response here. He wept. How many of you growing up and you had to memorize a verse chose that verse? Jesus wept because it was only two verses, right? It was an easy one, wasn't it? But did you ever think about why he wept? Did he weep simply to show us his his human side? Did he weep because of the the lack of faith he was seeing among the people? Was he weeping over the, the loss of a dear friend? Well, Jesus knew from the start that he was going to be bringing Lazarus back from the dead, so I don't think he was weeping over Lazarus. The text tells us that Jesus was deeply moved. We see this same word in the Greek used again in verse 38 when Jesus came to the tomb. This term in the Greek is actually a really interesting word. The term signifies a loud, inarticulate noise, and its main use appears to be for the snorting of horses. I can't make that noise, but I don't know. When it's used to talk about men, it usually denotes some type of anger. So we see Jesus weeping and actually getting angry. What would Jesus be angry about here? I think Jesus is simply angry at death. Mad at the decay and the pain that intrudes on the gift of God, which is life. God gives life, so Jesus here rails at the unfairness of death. And he cries with each one of us who has wept at the grave of someone that we have loved. So Jesus asks, where have you laid him? The sister said, Lord, Come and see. And it's at this point that Jesus weeps. Immediately after the invitation is extended, come and see. In John's Gospel, this expression, come and see, is the call to discipleship. 
is the invitation to faith. The invitation to come and follow, to come and join in. When the first would-be disciples asked Jesus, where are you staying? What did Jesus reply? He said, come and see. When the hesitant Nathanael said to Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip replied, come and see. The woman of Samaria that Jesus met at the well in John chapter 4, excited by her encounter with Jesus, went back into town and invited all the townspeople, come and see. And now the very call to trust and follow extended to others is now extended to Jesus. Come and see. And Jesus wept. Jesus is invited to follow along with them in their mourning, to join with them as they struggle to live in faith under conditions of suffering and death. This is an invitation for Jesus, to Jesus, I'm sorry, for him to follow what he knows is his Father's will for him. For for Jesus to call Lazarus out of the grave is for Jesus to enter into it. John's Gospel doesn't have any account of the agony that Jesus went through in the Garden of Gethsemane. This text is John's way of showing the turmoil that Jesus went through as his own death became imminent. So they get to the tomb and Jesus tells them to take away the stone. Martha, again, always the practical one, reminds Jesus that her brother's already been in there for four days and there's likely to be an odor, a stench. Jesus reminds her again of who he is. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. And it's at this point that Jesus prays. Now there's no record of Jesus praying publicly out loud before any of his other miracles. Now he did give thanks when he broke the five loaves and, and he distributed the fish to the 5,000, but this is the only recorded prayer of Jesus before he performed a miracle. And he even says in the prayer that he prayed out loud for the benefit of the people there that they might believe that God had sent him. Again, this is the whole purpose of John writing his gospel, that people would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing they would have life in his name. And Jesus here is about to bestow life right before their very eyes. And after he finished praying, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! One commentary, one theologian has commented that if Jesus hadn't named Lazarus here by name and simply shouted, come out, that the whole graveyard would have been emptied. That's the power of the Son of God to do what we think is impossible. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb still wrapped in his grave clothes. Jesus tells the people to take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is another interesting part of the story. Even though Jesus has raised Lazarus from the grave, Lazarus still needed the help of others to loose his bindings so that he could be used by God to be a witness as to who Jesus truly is. The King James Version has Jesus telling them, Loose him. Let him go. Has God maybe called you to be one whose ministry is to help loosen the grave clothes of those who are bound up in sin and death? 
to help take away the things that are binding them and keeping them from being the witness that God has called them to be. Can God maybe use you in this way? Now the passage continues on, and we didn't read this part this morning, but it tells us that many of the Jews who had come to weep and mourn with Martha and Mary, after seeing all this, put their faith in Jesus. But we also see that some of the Jews go to the Pharisees to tell them about what has happened. And the Jewish religious authorities came to the conclusion that Jesus is just gaining too much of a following, and they began to look for ways to kill him. Verse 53 says, So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. So literally, Jesus raising Lazarus from the grave was paving the way for him to go to the cross. See, but that's the message that gives us hope. In fact, this whole story of the raising of Lazarus shows us that out of discouragement comes hope. Martha and Mary were discouraged as they both told Jesus, if you would have just gotten here sooner, our brother wouldn't have died. But even in their discouragement, that there was hope because Jesus had come. And to us, to you and me, as we live with, with our discouragements, with our despair, with our hurts, with our pain, Jesus says to us, be still and know that I am God, as we read together this morning from Psalm 46. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This story of Lazarus is the story of hope. It's a story of life. It's a story that says, out of despair comes hope for those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their lives. And this story, again, contains one of those amazing I am statements of Jesus that are found in the Gospel of John. And we need to realize that Jesus is always the I am in our lives. Whatever the situation we may be in, he is the I am in our lives. To Martha, who has just seen death, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. To those who walk in darkness, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. To those who are hungry, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. To those who are lost and don't know which way to go, Jesus said, I am the gate, enter through me. To those who need guidance and protection, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He is not the I was or the I'm going to be or the I will be, but he is the I am in our lives. And because he is indeed the resurrection and the life right here and right now, he can bring life to the dead right here and right now. He can bring hope to what we might see as a hopeless situation right here and right now. He can bring joy to those who are mourning right here and right now. He is and always will be the I am in whatever situation we may find ourselves. Jesus says in this passage, I am the resurrection and the life. And there's only, thing we, only one thing we need to do to receive this promise. And that's to believe. Believe that he is the one who gives life to what you see as dead. Believe that he can bring hope to what you see as hopeless. Believe that he is the one who gives eternal life so that you will spend eternity in his presence. 
We have a Savior who, who was willing to walk with us through every struggle and every joy in our lives. He's promised to never leave us or forsake us. And He can only promise that because He has victory over death, as we've seen in this passage and as we'll celebrate in two weeks on Resurrection Sunday. Our life originates in Him. Our life is sustained in Him and our life is perfected in Him. We can experience the full abundant life that Jesus promised right here, right now, if we are willing to truly follow Him with our lives wherever He may lead, no matter what the outcome. So Jesus calls out to you, come and see. Come and follow me. Come and join with me in life, resurrection life, right here, right now, today. How will you respond? I ask us all, myself included, the same question that Jesus asked Martha. He had just told her that he is the resurrection and the life, and that if she believed in him, she would live and never die. So I ask us all the same question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And if you do, how will that belief change the way in which you live your lives moving forward? Please pray with me. Lord, we can look at a passage like this, and, and we know that you are God and that you are the author of life, the creator of life. You can bring life, bestow life anywhere that you want. And we know that, that you raised Lazarus to bring glory to yourself, to show everyone who you are. But the true glory was revealed when you went to the cross, suffered and died for our sins, was placed in a tomb. But then as we sang about earlier, there came that morning, your buried body began to breathe and you rose again. You conquered death on our behalf. You appeared to so many alive. You then ascended, and you are seated at the right hand of your Father in heaven, just waiting for the day when he sends you back for us. And Lord, we could say, come Lord Jesus, come. We want you to come, but there are so many out there in our world who still don't know you, Lord. And I know that you are patient, not wanting any, Lord, to suffer and die, but wanting all to come to faith in you. So we trust you, Lord, that your will will be accomplished in your timing. We thank you for the resurrection life we have in you because you are the author of life and you conquered death for us. Thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. Help us, Lord, to live in that promise each and every day of our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.